0: facebook or hamilton hamilton i don't know anything about hamilton i used to be big time into musical theater but i all i know is that it's some sort of cultural
1: sensation you'll have to enlighten me Mm. i think the short so i tend as a rule to avoid things that seem pretty popular so it uh it's it helps generally but occasionally i miss out on things and hamilton is a good example of something that i've missed out on um i'm not nothing could really change about that it's only its recent entrance to disney plus that's made it accessible to the masses beyond being able to listen to it but it's one of those things where you'll know after just a few minutes into it whether you dig it or not and if you like the opening it only gets better for the next two and a half hours and if you don't well, then just don't keep watching it, but or keep listening. I've really been impressed by it from a lot of different perspectives, though. Uh both the cast and how they approached it, the storytelling, the quality of the music. What got me thinking though, about today was like it's it's um its connections to open source and the open web and just the the writing process. That's that's um it's I found it personally quite inspiring. Like the story of Hamilton and and the role that writing played in the story, and the influence that writing had in you know the the found the formation of the United States. And oh,
0: the United States? I, I really know nothing. Why, why don't you tell me about how Hamilton,
1: how writing affects Hamilton? Uh, so the yeah, so he was one of the, he's considered one of the founding fathers of the United States, uh-huh. and. Uh, it's what's interesting, a lot of people don't know, Like you think of these as like a bunch of old white guys. Those are certainly the pictures. But so while a lot of them were white, they were really young. A lot of them were in their early 20s when they were doing their most influential work. So he ended up writing, uh, he did a lot of writing and wrote like crazy. And some of his most foundational work was something he wrote called the Federalist Papers, which was where he basically designed the U.S. financial system. And like this is how it's going to work, and this is how that's going to work, and all seems quite boring from a distance, but then through the lens of the way that they tell the story, it's actually quite interesting. It's
0: like someone said, "What's the most boring aspect of American history? Let's make a musical out
1: of it." And it's it's like then you add in the the fact that he was an immigrant, and some of the most influential people that were a part of that mix were also like they were immigrants, and they were just it was a very raw like. Things were very unclear. Who knew how it was going to go? And there's a lot of risk taking. Um, Just very, very interesting. What stood out to me, though, like when I look at the arc of my own career, I only have like one particular regret that stands out. And for me personally, that's that I haven't written more. Mm. And we've talked about this a bit in the past, and that's a consistent theme throughout. The story of Hamilton is the sense that he has of I need to keep writing. They'll ask him like Why are you writing? Like you're Why are you writing? Like you're running out of time. And for one, most people didn't live very long, so he always had that like I could die at any time. And he did, in fact, die young. He got so much done though, and if he hadn't written, part of the question is like What would we have? And then I, th- I think about the world of open source and there's this close connection to like, if you didn't create it and put it out there, like writing and code and words and code, like there's some very, there's a lot of similarities to it. It's something that can ultimately last beyond you, but if you don't get it out there, there's nothing.
0: Mm. That's really interesting. I can relate to this uh, need to keep writing. I think a lot of writers can. I've, stopped writing publicly on my on my blog because I've been working on a fiction novel. Uh, but every day, you know, I feel that, that urge that pulls me back towards my book. So I can relate to that. And I can also relate to it from a programming perspective of getting your work out there. Will it really last if it's not open source? And another question is, does making it open source necessarily mean that it will last the answer the answer is probably no there too that i think it's still too early or maybe it's only just now soon enough to be able to think about things like the half-life of software i'm betting that if there was if there's an open source program from you know 1995 it would be very difficult to be able to actually use that program right now.
1: Hmm. Maybe when I to your question about whether it lasts or not, I think the, the first piece of the puzzle is it has as open source, it has the opportunity to last, whether it wh- whether the work itself merits lasting light, right? Like there's a lot of books that, you know, a lot of written work that people have done that probably will never re see the light of day yet. It has the opportunity, whereas you know, if you didn't get it out there, if you kept it as a closed source, because a lot of people have this fear, like, oh, I don't want to put it out there. You know, someone might take it, something might, someone might do something else, and so they keep it. They don't release it. It has no chance hmm. if it doesn't get out there.
0: Well, just to push back, you know, play devil's advocate because I 100% agree with with that premise, but you could look at it in a different way, right? You could say that. Software ideas are hereditary it's not so much the source code that mm, inspires longevity but you know I, I I might publish a bit of closed software and some of the user interactions get adopted or some of the you know the ideas around UX or the metaphors that i'm using um, a, an example might be the skew morphism that Apple adopted in the early days mm, mm-hmm. which of the of the iphone which led to a lot of sort of copycat ideas and software Uh, and then as they moved away from that to a more clean um design that well you know i i don't want to say that inspired other people to do the same but i would say that there was a feedback loop of uh one person publishing this design style which led into you know, it becoming more popular, which led into Apple adopting it, which led into more people adopting There's these sort of feedback loops of design, feedback loops of interaction design, feedback loops of uh, what's important in user experience. And uh, those things don't necessarily have to be open source.
1: It's making me think maybe there's there's levels of this. Like first there's there's sharing an idea, right? Like you, when you read a book or you play with a piece of software, it can give you ideas about what you could do in your own work, right? There's something though. So maybe there's this, this top level with open source though. And also this comes back to, to written works as well and the concepts of copyright and like, what does that mean? And for me personally, and, and it's just been, I've just had this positively reinforced. So I'm, I'm biased towards it. I feel like with my writing, with with software, I would rather see things where it's like it's out there and you can do whatever you want with it, which is that whole concept of the GPL, right? WordPress and the four freedoms We're writing code that inherently has the protection that allows people to do whatever they want, including things that we don't think are a good idea. I think there's a momentum builder in there that because a lot of people, it's like, oh, well, you can look at my writing, but you certainly couldn't reappropriate it. You couldn't do other things with it.
0: Right. Uh, it. It almost uh, it contributes to the the value of the product in the first place. I, I don't think it contributes to the longevity of the product, though. Okay. You know, there's a place near where I live, a pub uh, called, well, it used to be called Edamoga Pub. And uh, maybe you're familiar with the old newspaper comic um Oh geez, the name escapes me. Something flats. It's based in New Zealand, and in this comic, in this old newspaper comic, there is this old building, sort of dilapidated, and uh, comic style, which is a pub, and it's got a, a truck, a Ute, as we say in Australia, a sort of pickup truck, uh, on the on the roof of the pub, and here on the Sunshine Coast, where where I live, there. Is the same pub, the Edamoga pub. It's called the same thing as this comic. Oh, nice! And it's the same color. It's the same style. It even looks a bit comicky. You know, it's built with sort of bent exterior walls and things like this.
1: <laughs> nice.
0: And it's got the the car on the on the roof. Only thing is that a few years ago, the publisher of this comic decided, yeah. You can't really do that, <laughs> you know that that's not your IP. Mm-hmm. You can't get away with that, and so they had to completely renovate the place, and now it's called the Banana Bend, and it's like a beach shack style thing. Um, and the question is: is the world better when the Edinburgh Pub existed, or is it the world better when uh, the you know it existed under a different name? And you know, I don't think that there's an easy answer to that. Mm. It's sort of the same question, though. uh, You can relate this back to software: is is the world better uh, when there's an open source platform, or is the world better when there's closed source? And I think that the right answer is it's got to be a mix of both, because certainly, uh, I could point to a, a hundred closed platforms that will have more longevity than. You know, a thousand open source ideas.
1: Yep. What What is it that gives them the longevity?
0: I think it's value. I think it, it how valuable is this to people? And uh, so, so for me, the reason why I love open source is it contributes to the value, um, and thereby contributes to its longevity. Does that make sense? Like it's sort of a roundabout
1: way of getting that. yes if it's like, if something is valuable and, and one of the ways that it can be more valuable is the freedom attached to it, Yes. the freedom to say, you can do whatever you want with this. So I think open source with that model has an inherent advantage, but it could still be a lousy (laughs) piece of software. (laughs) It could still, it could be, you know, even with its, uh, by its nature of it being open source, it's inherent advantages. It could still be lousy and not worth continuing on.
0: And this applies to content too. I think that there's a lot of people in the world who think, you know, if I publish something with with WordPress, I own it. It will be around forever and, you know, there's no one who can take it off the internet. Whereas if I publish something with Medium or, you know, heaven forbid, Facebook, then it could, <laughs> not only will it disappear into a long lost timeline, never to be seen again, but also if, Facebook or Medium decide that they don't want it there anymore. They have control over whether it's visible. They might just shut down overnight and go out of business. Um, Please, God, let that happen to Facebook. And, uh, you know, you're not in control anymore. And so that is definitely a consideration for publishing content to the web. But I think all too often people don't consider things like hosting fees and domain names and just the mental overhead of, having something out there that you may not be actively working on. Uh, and so, you know, I wrote a blog when I was a teenager. Mm. Before a blogging platform ever existed, I wrote my own little CMS. That's not on the internet anymore, you know. Um, and and that information, which was completely, uh, you know, an open standard and completely you know, not on any closed platform, yeah it's it's disappeared in the same way that it could have if I had a published it on live journal
1: mm. speaking of old writing, I did a blog post recently, and it was interesting to see the reverse of that like to draw my writing from a decade ago that's also on WordPress because I've kind of brought it with me and to see for me as a writer the contrast of how different which to me is a good thing like when I read my old work and feel uncomfortable with it yeah and that's generally the case with open source and code as well. You look back at something that you wrote a decade ago, like, "Oh wow, I think quite a bit different." But there's there's still a beauty to it, and I personally find it valuable to have that opportunity to look backwards, and and to see the growth. Yeah, I think it's one of the best ways
0: of is it of learning. I, it's advice that I give to most starting out developers is set up a reminder in your calendar to review code that you wrote a year ago. Oh. And it can be a brutal process because it can be super embarrassing, but uh, being able to review that code yourself and, and improve it is such good practice. It's like uh, supercharged um, growth uh, code review just from from a, an, another developer is also a way of supercharging that growth. Uh, but I think it was I think I heard Chris lemma. This is the first time I heard it. I've heard it so many times. Chris Lemma at WordCamp Austin in like 2014 or something like that um, said, if you don't look at code that you wrote a year ago and feel embarrassed, then you're not improving. And I think the same goes for writing. Yeah, so very that, much so. that writing that you wrote when you were, you know, 16, if you're not looking back on that with a little bit of cringe, then, you know, that, that's a problem.